Welcome to the Friday Five, a series in which we cover important stories in health and science research that you may have missed. Usually I talk about studies over the previous week, but today I'm doing a look back on breakthrough research over the month of September. There are plenty of controversies and ethical issues in science, and we get into many of them in our online magazine. But there are also lots of stories to be excited about, and this news roundup is focused on scientific work to give you a therapeutic dose of inspiration headed into the weekend. First up in the Friday Five, promising research was announced this week for a new Alzheimer's drug. The drug, made by two companies, iSci and Biogen, could be approved as early as January 6th. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because Biogen and iSci had made another drug for Alzheimer's called Agihelm that was approved and then flopped for various reasons as was rolled out to patients. The new drug is called Lacanamob. And in a clinical trial of patients in the early stages of Alzheimer's, it was found to slow the rate of cognitive decline by 27% over 18 months, based on several measures, and it was able to clear many of the toxic plaques found in brains of people who have this disease. Including 1,800 people, the study was the largest one yet to test a drug focused on reducing these plaques, called amyloids. It was also one of the most racially diverse trials ever for an Alzheimer's drug. Now, although the 27% improvement sounds impressive, some experts are pointing out that on the 18-point scale used to measure the severity of dementia, patients in this trial saw an uptick of just 0.45. That could be a meaningful difference in the earlier stages of the disease, but it often makes no difference for those at the higher end of the severity scale. There are also questions about how the study was designed and side effects. 21% of people had brain swelling or bleeding, though it was rare for anyone in the trial to have symptoms. The Alzheimer's Association called it the most encouraging study results they've seen to date. In addition to whether the FDA will approve, though, other looming questions are whether Medicare will help patients pay for this drug and whether doctors will recommend it. It's sure to be an interesting several months for Alzheimer's treatment, with two other promising therapies by drug companies Roche and Eli Lilly currently being tested as well. Next up, findings were published on Tuesday in Nature Neurobiology that could affect your daily stroll around the neighborhood. You're not going to want to forget the need for speed. The research team from Denmark and Australia looked at records of almost 80,000 people who wore wrist monitors on regular walks for almost three years. They found that those who hoofed it at 112 steps per minute for the fastest 30 minutes of their daily walk were able to reduce their risk of dementia by 62% compared to those who conquered the same distance, about 10,000 steps, without picking up the pace. They saw a smaller reduction of 50%. 112 steps per minute is a rather brisk cadence, according to the researchers. They did not specify how close this was to breaking the sound barrier, but it is a little faster than the exercise guidelines from the federal government, which suggest 100 steps per minute. The researchers looked at a younger age range than you might expect, 40 to 79 including people in their 40s and 50s, might have thrown the numbers off a bit, and their findings might not carry over to people in their 80s or older. Still, it's a good reminder to get your game face on and pump those arms, even if your neighbors make fun of you. Next up in the Friday Five, a research team out of Yale and Harvard has proposed a part of the solution to climate change. Given the Ivy League credentials, maybe you'd assume it involves reversing the spin of the Earth to travel back in time before the Industrial Age. It actually involves something that's almost as grand. They want to create darker clouds that would block the sun at the north and south poles. Doing this would throw more shade, cool the poles by 3.6 degrees, and refreeze the ice caps. That sounds ambitious, but the scientists say in a paper published yesterday that it would be relatively easy and cheap. A fleet of 125 jets would be required to spray aerosols into the atmosphere at specific heights, 
and they would do this in spring and the early parts of summer. Now, when the scientists say it would be cheap, they mean it would cost $11 billion per year, but that's a pretty small fraction of the cost of other proposed solutions like carbon capture. Currently, the poles are warming much faster than the rest of the planet, which is leading to record-breaking hot spells. As the ice falls into the oceans at the poles, the levels of the sea will rise dramatically around the world, causing massive flooding. The aerosols are made of sulfur dioxide that poses the risks of some awful side effects like vomiting and corroding the lungs to the 1% of humanity that lives at the poles. But the researchers note that the other 99% of humanity would benefit tremendously and that policymakers should consider or at least be mindful of these trade-offs. In the Friday Five, I like to think I cover research on a number of cutting-edge technologies. This is not one of those stories. No, this next study involves something your grandmother may have waxed poetic about, the neti pot. Researchers from Augusta University in Georgia published a study on Tuesday that suggests neti pots, as unglamorous as they certainly are, could be an important tool in fighting COVID. The team asked a group of older people with obesity and other pre-existing conditions who just caught COVID to wash their noses with salt water using the neti pots twice per day. This group was 8.5 times less likely to be hospitalized compared to a control group that didn't use neti pots. 23 of 29 people who really got into their neti pots had just one or zero COVID symptoms. It makes sense that this could work. The more virus in your body, the worse you're going to do. If you can keep COVID from getting a nose ahead, it's less likely to make it down to your lungs where it'll wreak havoc. Plus, while some pharmaceuticals chase profits by developing drugs to block the virus from grabbing onto our ACE2 receptors, good old-fashioned saline with neti pots may have a similar effect. Neti pots have been a mainstay in eastern parts of the world for a thousand years, and that might help explain lower death rates from COVID in Thailand and nearby countries. As physician Amy Baxter, lead author of the study, put it, the solution to viral pollution could be dilution. Next up in the Friday Five, new research published in Nature Medicine shows that scientists could identify people with Parkinson's disease based on how they breathe at night, with the help of artificial intelligence. As of now, doctors tend to try to diagnose Parkinson's by watching how people move physically, like if they have tremors. But these symptoms often happen a number of years after people get the disease, which leads to a really late diagnosis. Other ways of figuring out if you have Parkinson's include measuring cerebrospinal fluid, but that's very costly and you need access to special clinics. Because Parkinson's affects the brain and the brain controls breathing, scientists have noted in the past that there's also a connection between Parkinson's and how people breathe. The researchers at MIT studied over 120,000 hours of nighttime breathing from about 750 patients with Parkinson's and over 6,900 people who didn't have the disease. The AI system was able to diagnose Parkinson's with a high level of accuracy. Not only that, but it could tell the difference between Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And it could pinpoint whether the case of Parkinson's was in its early stages or more severe. Instead of coming into a specialist's clinic, which could be especially tough for people in low-income communities, people can use the system in their homes. It might be especially helpful for those of us who have high risk, like if you have the LRRK2 gene mutation for Parkinson's, to keep close watch. And if the AI shows red flags, start taking steps to address the disease earlier, which can really improve your prognosis. As always, you can find links to each study I've discussed this week in the show notes. And please check out the leaps.org magazine online, where you can learn about the latest and most important challenges and developments in science, such as this week, articles on reprogramming the cells for longevity, 
and new research for breaking down cancer-causing chemicals, called PFAS, in the environment. Overall, the Leaps.org platform looks at innovations through the lens of rational optimism. You can find out what to be concerned about, but we also tell you which scientific breakthroughs are giving reason for excitement. Thanks for listening to the Friday Five, and have a great weekend.